Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hello, and thank you for listening to The History of World War II Podcast, Episode 385, The Cauldron. Last time, the Battle of Gazala had gotten underway two days previous, on May 26th, 1942. And thus far, both sides had lost more tanks than expected, at least this early on in the battle. Still, night had come, and both sides had made their plans for the next day. The Commonwealth forces believed they had stopped Rommel by stopping and turning back the 90th Light Division from reaching a position just south of Tobruk. But the Desert Fox had already changed his focus to one clearing two paths in the large minefield in the center and southern section of the defensive line, and two, ordering his panzers to head north to cut off the coastal road. In short, Rommel wasn't just going for Tobruk. He wanted the 8th Army trapped and then destroyed, which would leave the road to Egypt open. As the sun rose on May 28th, the 21st Panzer Division moved northward, and allowing Rommel to click at least one thing off of his list of that day's objectives, the 21st did manage to reach the defensive box called Commonwealth Keep, just below the Solaro Escarpment, or Slope, itself just below the coastal road. With this done, soon the 21st Panzer was on the height and shelling any Allied movement along the road. Even better, with their additional height relative to the area around them, trying to attack the panzers now, was nigh on impossible. As for the Commonwealth Keep, as it was in part to hold supplies and help keep an eye on the coast road, most of its mines and weapons had been pointing north when the Germans came. They wisely rushed in before all the guns of the keep could be brought to bear. Now those Allied forces were retreating to whatever friendly position was nearest them. But the 21st Panzer local victory was to be the high-water mark of the day for Rommel. During the same time, 15th Panzer was unable to travel north as its fuel situation had yet to be addressed. Even worse, what fuel the 15th had was now needed to move around to get into a better position as they were set upon by the 22nd Armored Brigade Group coming out of the east. Yet, it was worse for the 90th Light Division. First, it had been denied entry into El Abdin, due south of Tobruk, after being bloodied. 
But now that it was on its way back to Bir el Harmat to shield Rommel and his supplies, namely fuel, the 4th Armored Brigade gave chase. The 4th Brigade was operating at the most southern part of this battle. As both sides, the chaser and the chasee, had enough fuel for the day, this was basically a race. But the Allied Brigade had caused enough damage with fortuitous artillery shots that the 90th Light African Division had to stop. And it was only eight miles away for Rommel. And what did they do? They circled the wagons. In this case, literally, with their anti-tank guns and artillery on the outer ring, protecting all within. During all this, Rommel, who has never been accused of being a coward, spent May 28th in his car, driving north, looking for a way for his fuel trucks to get past the enemy positions above him so he could reach the desperate 15th Panzer. And it was during his driving around that several times, Allied planes strafed his car, but they missed each time. As for his headquarters, while he was away, an Allied air attack forced those staff officers to run for the dunes. Which is not to say that the Axis forces did not have some success that day. First, General Willoughby Moke Norrie, commander of the 30th Corps, believed he had seen enough. He surmised that he knew what Rommel was doing, which was not true, as Rommel changed his objectives daily. Thus, Norrie believed he was about to issue orders that would see the end of Africa Corps. Norrie had the 2nd Armor Brigade, which was just north of the 4th Armor Brigade that was chasing the 90th Light Division, head west by southwest to finish off Rommel at Bir el Hamat. However, the Allied tanks did not get close enough to Rommel's headquarters until late in the afternoon. And by then, the Ariete division had shown up, and Rommel had set them up as an anti-tank shield. And he did this personally, with the now famous, or infamous, 8.8-centimeter flak or 88-millimeter anti-aircraft, anti-tank artillery gun. And, of course, the designer and builder of this infamous weapon was Krupp of Essen. As the Ariete division was just north of Rommel's headquarters, he was trying to build a path for his fuel trucks to head north to get to the 15th Panzer. But Allied armor kept showing up. This time, it was the 2nd Armored Brigade. But as they came closer to the men of the Ariete, the Italians let loose with their 88s. One British tank after another was hit. By the time the sun was going down, the 2nd Armored Brigade was pulling back east, away from the Ariete and their 88s, with too many fewer tanks than when they started. But as bad as things were starting to look for Rommel, he did have one ace up his sleeve. Actually, two. By this time on the 28th, the Trieste and Pavia divisions had finished creating, though rather crude, paths through the minefield in front of them. The Allies were not aware of this yet, but in this, what should have been the seed of Rommel's success, lay his potential downfall. The minefield ran the entire length of the defensive line, from the coast to below the Free French position, and in the center of that line comes the Trig Capuzzo and Trig El Abd, However, just west or to the left or just before the defensive line, the Trig El Abd 
starts by breaking off of the Trip Campuzo, with the Campuzo heading to the northeast and the El Abd heading to the southeast. Basically, a fork in the road. Where it gets tricky, and what Rommel did not know, because his intelligence unit did not discover this, was that the 150th Brigade Group was right behind the minefield, in the center of the defensive line, where the roads split. So the Italians, working hard, created two passageways through the minefield, one just above the 150th Brigade, and the second right below the 150th Brigade. Alas, the Italians during this time, because they were working at night, did not see the 150th and thus did not report them in. Rommel believed he had two paths in relatively unguarded territory open, except, of course, for the mines. Either way, the Italians were told to rest from the long night's excursion. May 28th came to a close. This podcast could not exist without the help of sponsors like Yahoo Finance. When it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. Now, you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses, Yahoo Finance. I've stressed this in my podcast about command and control, which is exactly what Yahoo Finance is. You can see all your investments and retirement accounts in one place. You can consolidate your views from multiple accounts into one hub and access the expert analysis you need to tend to your entire portfolio with confidence. Yahoo Finance has been around for more than 25 years, and they've worked things out. You've got the tools you need right at your fingertips. I open up my Yahoo Finance, and within seconds, I can see how my stocks and investments are doing. And basically, investing is all about growth. And in order to grow, you need to know what's going on. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. May 29th was a new day, and so Rommel had a new plan. Clearly, Operation Venencia had come to a close. The Allies were not tricked into retreating, nor trapped. If anything, it was Rommel's Africa Corps that was trapped due to a lack of fuel. Hence, the day would be spent by the Desert Fox trying to assist his panzers. As Rommel was attempting to lead his fuel trucks to the 15th Panzer and the 21st Panzer, who were even further north, Lieutenant Colonel Siegfried Westfall, Rommel's operations officer, tried to help the commander by having General Cuvel of the Africa Corps smash through the defensive line closer to the coast. If this could be done, then the coastal road could be used to resupply at least the 21st Panzer, and together they could all head south and save the 15th Panzer. But there was just one problem with this plan. The various brigade group boxes were not just dots on a map with a cool title created by some PR department. No, they were self-contained units, able to inflict damage while defending themselves. If you will, a balance of offensive and defensive capabilities. Further, the Indian troops were tested veterans, as the Germans were about to find out. Thus did General Cruvel 
send in the Sabathra Division, slamming into parts of the 50th Division. But by the end of the day, the Italians were backpedaling with heavy losses, while the Indians barely lost a man to death or injury. But if Cruvel thought his day would end with nothing to show for it, he was about to learn it can always get worse. Wanting to talk to Rommel, Cruvel got into his historic liaison aircraft and started flying southeast. But before reaching his destination, his plane was set upon, damaged, and forced to land. Fortunately, it was near where the Italians had made the paths in the minefield. Unfortunately, Cruvel was met by the 150th Division, stationed in between the two trigs or roads. Cruvel now knew of their location, but he was also their prisoner so none of this made it to Rommel. But the most intense fighting of the day, nay, almost of the entire North African campaign, took place behind the defensive line, just west of Knight's Bridge, along the Trig Campuzo, about 7 miles or 11 kilometers due north of Bir el Hermat, where Rommel had just been with his fuel trucks. Sensing Rommel's rising concern, General Herbert Lumsden, commander of the 1st Armored Division, sent the 2nd and 22nd Armored Brigade groups to hit the east side of Rommel's Wall, which itself was behind the main defensive line. The 22nd Brigade group traveled west, above the Knight's Bridge box and the Trig Campuzo, and slammed into the 15th Panzer Division, who were to hold up on Regal Ridge. As the battle unfolded, the use or misuse of ridges would grow. And while the Germans had the high ground, their lack of fuel would not allow them to move around and engage in a true tank battle. Meanwhile, the 2nd Armored Brigade Group came at the Ariete Division below the 15th Panzer and thus below the Trig Campuzo. As stated, the fighting was fierce. The Grant tanks of both brigade groups more than did themselves proud, putting shells into Panzers and giving the Germans the kind of fright they had induced prior in others. However, in return, the Germans' anti-tank weapons also did well against the Grants. What the British leaders would find was that the Grant was great against Panzers, but they still had to come up with a counter to the 88s. Both sides lost impressive numbers of tanks this day. As for the clash between the Ariete Division and the 2nd Armor Brigade Group, Before it could get too bad for the Italians, the 90th Light Division showed up, who again had been retreating, and offered support. Again, the British-led forces were held back, but not before they took out a number of vehicles and machine gun posts. Also, the 21st Panzer, which had been firing on the coast road, was ordered by Rommel to head back south. He would put all of his forces together and create an anvil on which the enemy would break themselves. This anvil would eventually be called the cauldron, and both sides perceived it differently. Again, Rommel pulled his forces together for mutual support and to use less fuel. The British, mostly Ritchie and Auchinleck, believed Rommel was pulling his armor together to begin a retreat. They had to destroy him before he got away. It would be both sides' desire to destroy each other before they got away that would dominate the rest of the Battle of Gazala. The cauldron looked like this from a bird's eye view. 
about a mile and a half above the Trig Campuzo, in between the Knight's Bridge box on the right and the massive minefield on the left, was Sidra Ridge, and on it was the freshly retreated 21st Panzer. On the right side or east side of the cauldron, think of it like a box, was the Aslog Ridge. As it ran roughly north to south, the Ariete Division was on its heights, guarding the eastern or right flank. Meanwhile, to the southwest, the 15th Panzer set itself up, having gotten away from the 22nd Armor Brigade Group and having received fuel from Rommel. This left the western facing of the cauldron, or box, to be manned by the 90th Light Division. After having checked the enemy and helping Ariete Division, the 90th Light moved not only to protect the west face of the box, but their position also allowed them to box in, no pun intended, the 150th Brigade, which was sitting in between the paths the Italians made, and in between the two roads. That night of May 29th, both sides rested, as best they could, while they waited the arrival of dawn. But before turning in for the night, several officers, Allied and Axis, wrote in their diaries. Rommel, for his part, though Operation Venencia was dead and his offensive forces were surrounded, still felt confident enough to write, this dispersal of the British armored brigades was incomprehensible to him. That may be true, but the British were not the ones contained, only penetrated, and their defensive line was mostly intact. As for Lieutenant Colonel Michael Carver, the logistics officer of 30 Corps, he was tired of all this defensive standing. He complained there was too much motoring, as in driving here and there, trying to stay in front of the enemy. No, what was needed? Well, Carver ended his entry with what was needed was a deliberate attack, not just one more charge. And lastly, before turning in, General Lumsden, who had sent the 22nd and 2nd Armor Brigades in against the cauldron, and who had done well, but had suffered their own losses, believed he had come up with the missing piece. Infantry. Yes, he had thrown in tanks and artillery, but the Germans and the Italians were able to take out too many of his tanks, his grants, because they were not supported by infantry. Well, that would change on the morrow. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. As stated, Auchinleck and General Ritchie 8th Army Commander, believed that Rommel was gathering his forces in order to create a corridor in which to escape. They were close. Not really. They were dead wrong. 
Rommel had every intention of staying focused on Tobruk, which would force the 8th Army to engage him, and that would be his opportunity to destroy it. Ritchie, with Auchinleck's approval, would seek to destroy Rommel's supply line, which would then leave the Panzer stranded so Allied artillery could destroy them at will. With this done, it was to be called Operation Limerick, there would be nothing stopping the 8th Army from traveling all the way to Tripoli, thus satisfying Churchill. Specifically, Acting Lieutenant General William Gott, the commander of 13th Corps, would have some of the Indian troops on the upper side of the defensive line head southwest. Simultaneously, General Norrie would have his mobile units skirt around Bir Hachem at the bottom of the minefield, where the Free French were, and have them head northwest. Soon the Indians and Norrie's men would meet up, and Rommel's supply line would be completely severed, and the hammering of Africa Corps could begin. As for the Allied armor, that had to stay in place to keep the cauldron closed. But plans on paper do not always manifest themselves on the ground. Meanwhile, Rommel, again, he was not retreating, made up his plans for the day. First, the 150th Brigade Group, only recently discovered by the Germans, had to be destroyed. When it was gone, Rommel would have a fairly safe and much shortened path to receive supplies through. But as this was planned out, various parts of Rommel's armor was being reorganized to make a dash at Tobruk. But first, those men would have to go through Gott's 13th Corps, and they were readying for that. Besides, the 88s going with them were expected to make short work of the British tanks. As for the north and east-facing parts of Rommel's box within the cauldron, he ordered the 21st Panzer on the Sidra Ridge and the Ariete Division on the Aslag Ridge, respectively, to dig in, for he expected them to be hit again by Ritchie. And indeed, the next day, May 30th, Lumsden again sent the 22nd and 2nd Armor Brigades in to clash with Rommel's north and west wall. But the 21st Panzer and the Ariete Division were dug in too well, with their anti-tank guns doing good service that day. The more Lumsden tried, the more tanks he lost, without having anything to show for it. When Generals Ritchie and Norrie heard about this, their belief grew firm that infantry was the key to any successful attack, but moving men around takes time. Ritchie gave the appropriate orders, but met resistance, not from the Axis, but from his own generals. Ritchie was focused on Operation Limerick, as it had been created by himself and Auchinleck, whereas Norrie and Gott wanted to destroy the Africa Corps where they stood, in the cauldron. But Ritchie overrode this and told the generals to get the men in place for Limerick. And he wanted it launched on May 31st. But Norrie and Gott replied, testily, that they would not be ready until June 1st. This was agreed to, and the men began to pile into trucks. The problem was, nothing was being done that day, except the failure of the two armor brigades against Rommel, who was given the gift of time, and he would use that time to destroy the 150th Brigade Group. Sitting there, in between where the two roads split, 
with the minefield to their immediate west or backs. The 150th Brigade Group was made up of three battalions of territorial soldiers from the towns of Tees and Tyne. As these two towns were known for their mining and shipbuilding, the men there, now in uniform, only knew hard work and having things in life go against them. Curmudgeons with muscles, and now guns, may be the best way to describe them. These three battalions had, as support, three squadrons of infantry tanks, or Matildas, from 1st Army Brigade and Artillery. That morning of May 30th, parts of the Africa Corps came at the 150th. First, the artillery opened up, and when close enough, the tanks started mixing it up. Not unlike what happened with the 2nd and 22nd Armor Brigades trying to hit the Ariete Division, the closer the Germans got to the 150th various defensive positions, the more panzers and men they lost. This went on all day, with shells landing among the defenders. But they gave as good as they got. When the sun went down, the 150th was still standing, though bloodied as were the Germans, who backed off a ways to rest before trying again the next day. The next day, May 31st, the attack resumed, but Rommel had the Trieste Division and the 90th Light Division join in on the attack. The Desert Fox needed this position completely reduced in order to receive supplies to push on to Tobruk. But again, the 150th stood its ground, giving as well as they got. The Africa Corps records make note of the skillful and stubborn fighting of the defenders. The Germans were impressed, but they had their orders. When May 31st ended, the 150th was defiant, but much weakened. By now, their infantry reserves were completely gone. Their artillery only had 100 shells left, and there were only 13 Matildas left. The 150th needed help, but Ritchie was too focused on Limerick, and Rommel could not believe the time, days, he was being given to destroy a single part of Ritchie's 8th Army. But it would be June 1st, the day that Operation Limerick was to launch, that would decide so much of the Battle of Gazala, the first part being the destruction of 150th Brigade Group. Rommel, still disbelieving how much free time he was being given, would resume the attack and, as said, would add on parts of the 21st Panzer and others with artillery. But first, he would start the attack on this day with heavy dive bombing. The men of the 150th kept their heads down and only raised them when the ground assault was renewed. Meanwhile, 8th Army Command was slowly coming around to what Rommel was really up to and called off Limerick. Besides, that could not happen until the cauldron was closed and the Africa Corps was no more. Thus, Ritchie ordered Gott to put an infantry brigade on Sidra Ridge and Nori to do the same on Aslig Ridge. This would, hopefully, set up the last battle of the cauldron and, even more, take some pressure off of the 150th. So the infantry who were to participate in Limerick were now on the move again, per their new orders. But this would take time. And it would all fall apart. 
God would end up not sending enough men to take the Sidra Ridge, even though much of the 21st Panzer had moved away to fight the 150th. And Nori would not even send in his attack in the form of Messervy's reformed 7th Armored Division headquarters troops. Why? Because they didn't have enough reconnaissance. What should have happened was an exchange. Rommel would destroy the 150th, a local victory, while the 8th Army took its first steps to reduce the cauldron and destroy Rommel's Africa Corps. As it turned out, the Axis Ring was mostly unharmed, but the 150th went down for the last time. After the dive bombing, which had gone on all morning, the panzers, supported by infantry and artillery, got to work. During the dive bombing earlier that day, Rommel had been able to get his troops to completely surround the 150th, so when they started firing, they came in from all sides. One by one, their smaller defensive boxes were taken out. The survivors made prisoners. The front the 150th Brigade Group held was a length of five miles, but it was methodically reduced. In the end, even the Brigadier C.W. Hayden was killed, and those that were left gave up only after fighting intensely. The Africa Corps records reported the admiration the Germans had for the 150th. Quote, the encircled enemy, supported by numerous infantry tanks, again resisted most stubbornly. Each separate element within the fortress-like strengthened defenses had to be fought for. The enemy suffered extraordinary heavy, bloody losses. Eventually, the operation, which also caused considerable losses to our troops, ended in complete success. To be sure, the 150th had fought like animals. Indeed, not only did Rommel lose General Cuvel, now a POW, but he had had to lead an attack against the 150th himself. And along the way, some of his lieutenants were wounded, like General Gauze or Colonel Westfall. The price of victory was getting steep. Still, Rommel had his supply line opened and his perimeter around the cauldron was still intact. Now, it was time to head for Tobruk. Greetings, everyone, from Central Virginia. So I just want to say hi to some new members and thank those who have donated. Let's see here. As far as the latest members um, who are keeping me out of uh, debtor's prison, thank you very much. Uh, Charles Harper from Gastonia, North Carolina. Benjamin Clemens from Sheboygan Falls, Wisconsin. Uh, Benjamin, I thought I would go my entire life without saying Sheboygan. I'm, I'm not saying good or bad. I just never thought I would need to pronounce that. Thank you, Benjamin, for making that possible. Uh, the next one, I'm going to rely on my two years of college Spanish. Let's see here. Andres Espinosa Feliciano from New Orleans, Louisiana. Andres, yes, I know I butchered that, but I had fun doing it. So sue me. No doubt. Uh, and finally, the last member is Kyle Frost from Salt Lake City, Utah. Kyle, hoping to get there one day. Oh, my goodness. Um, tried to talk the wife into it, and I was told no. Anyway, so donations. Um, Greg Urquhart. Um, I don't know where you live. I apologize. The next person that donated was 
Jim Cantwell, and then Stephen Mullet. So thank you very much, gentlemen, for those for the donations. I appreciate it. And uh, a lady that bought a mug, Samantha Harankar from Sanger, California. So welcome aboard all the new members. Thank you for donating. Enjoy the mug. Um, and I've got plenty more Churchill mugs if you want one. Anybody, just write me and let me know. podcast at gmail.com or look on the website. Anyway, I will see you as soon as I can with the next uh, episode. Take care, everyone.